is a song I wrote. I wrote. I watched the movie Unplanned. Anyone seen Unplanned? That was a great movie, right? And I, um, I had been trying to write this song since I was, I don't know if I was 16, 17, 20, I'm 31 now, and it just wouldn't come. My dad's like, we have eight kids in our family, by the way, and uh, Christian, Protestant, charismatic, <laughs> just have a lot of fun. Um, and so uh, people always think he's like Mormon or Catholic since he has so many kids, you know? <laughs> so they're like, what? You know, no, they just read a book called A Full Quiver, said, give God the amount of kids you'll have and trust him, and they did. I love my siblings so much. So anyways, my dad kept saying, Camille, you gotta finish this song, finish the song. I tried, I tried, and just wouldn't come. After I watched Unplanned, the song, I was like, Lord, please just help me finish this, and it just dropped on me. So I'm just so thankful. Like so many of my songs that have gone big, I just pray in the Holy Spirit. I say, God, just give me the song. Please give me the lyrics. And then it comes to me. So it finally finished. Thank you, Lord. So here it goes. It's on YouTube as well under Camille and Haley. It's called March for Life. My body, my choice. Sounds right. But I can't ignore the voice Something inside of me is whispering as I'm wrestling Open up your eyes It's not my right It's not my choice to take an innocent life To trade their future for the convenience of mine so I will stand today for what I know is right And I will march for life Two bodies, two lights Two hearts beating inside Doesn't take eyes to see the forming of God's masterpiece. I feel it deep inside. It's not my right. It's not my choice to take an innocent life. To trade their future for the convenience of mine. And for their right to life, I'll go the extra mile. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you fearfully and wonderfully made. I love you, though some may call you unplanned. I call you mine, and that is why it's not my right. It's not my choice to take an innocent life. Trade their future for the convenience of mine And for their right to life I'll go the extra mile And I will march, this is my cry To be the voice of every unborn child To overturn the laws that keep them bound and for their Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful.
irreplaceable, irreplaceable, so I will march for life today. few little cover songs for fun. So I've been doing music since I was um, 15 years old. Well, 10 years old, my dad put a little guitar in my hand. This is why I believe like the power of like giving your kids instruments and just seeing what happens. My dad just went to like pawn shop after pawn shop, found me a mandolin. I just started playing mandolin like 15 years later, like this last year. He found me a violin. I just started playing violin. <laughs> I was like, no, dad, I thought you had to play violin. If you had like a five years old, you had to be five years old or you couldn't be good. But I'm having so much fun with the violin now. And then uh, piano, he taught me a few chords in piano. I started doing that. Then guitar is my, probably my main instrument. But um, a little bit can go a long way, especially if God just has that for you, you know? But anyways, music's fun. It's a little gift to the world. And so if you have music in you or poetry in you or, um, I don't know, YouTube video making. Some people are really good at communicating. At any age, you can start a YouTube channel and change minds, you know? And so uh, I'd say just get started on it, you know, little make some little shorts. Hope is a great person of doing TikTok with uh, pro-life. I, I literally, every time I go on TikTok, Hope, they know me so well. Hope's like the first one up almost like, probably every fourth time I'm on there. So I'm following Hope Miller. Hope Miller, right? Yeah. What's your name on there? Uh, You've been banned a little bit. <laughs> underscore, underscore Hope Miller. Uh, yeah, and then um, you can find me at Camille Harris on Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe to me on YouTube. I'm trying to get to 1,000 followers. So if you help me on my goal to 1,000 followers, Camille Harris on YouTube. Anyhow, here's Edelweiss from The Sound of Music. I do one live stream a month um, on my channel, and so um, it's coming up the end of this month. So I don't know what my theme will be for April, but here it goes.
<laughs> Thank you guys so much. This has been such a little blessing. I'll have some cards maybe at the end. Find my line. I wanted to take a moment and share a, a recent thing that happened with us when we were gathered as leaders. When I read the scripture of Joshua 1. You know, there's so much to unpack in that passage. I wanted to spend the next 45 minutes going over this verse by verse. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I just have a short amount of time. I think Kathy might have had a little bit of a heart attack there, but no, I was not, I was not serious. Um, but there are some parallels in there about the past and the moment that we are experiencing right now. Moses was a leader with purpose much like our Missouri pro-life advocates. And I'd like to read that scripture real quick. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore arise, go over to Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to him, the to children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, said to Moses, from the wilderness, and this is Lebanon, as far as the great river, the, riv the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your victory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to the forefathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all the things of the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to it according to all that is written in it. For then you will be able to make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you forever, wherever you go. Now the next part, he, he talks about how Joshua begins to lead them into the land, and he reminds them to be strong and be courageous. And as I was saying earlier, Moses was a leader with purpose, much like many of you here today. And, but that time when Moses' leadership, it had to come to an end. And at some point, some of the elder, the elder leaders here um, it will be time to, to pass that on to the younger generation. But Moses cultivated leadership in Joshua, so the job is not yet finished for the strong leaders of today. We must encourage the youth. And Joshua was the one who led the Israelites into the Promised Land. And so will you, the youth of today. You will be leading this movement into the promised land. This moment is the beginning of the process of the mantle that is being prepared for you as young leaders. So look to the leaders of today, learn from them, and gain the wisdom that they have. Ask for a double portion. I'm so thankful that 
that you guys are, are here today. I wish that when I was younger, that someone would have been around me and encouraged me in maybe some of the ways that you were being encouraged. So this is an amazing encouragement to us leaders of today to see so many youth here and, and uh, so excited to do the will of the Lord. Well, today, um, thank you for coming to the youth rally here. And I wanted to introduce our first speaker and her name is Catherine Glenn Foster. And she is a senior fellow in legal policy at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And I really believe that she has an amazing story to tell you of her abortion experience. And I'm thankful that she is here today to share that with you. Would you please give a warm welcome to Kathleen Glenn Foster. Hi everyone. I am so glad that you are here today and I'm so blessed to be back here in one of my absolute favorite states. Um, I hope you were all at the big rally earlier before the march. Um, if you weren't, again, I'm Katherine Glenn Foster. Um, I am a constitutional lawyer from Washington, D.C. I'm also a mom of three. Um, They're 8, 10, and 16, so I bet the same age as, you know, some of you, probably around 16. Um, and I'm also a post-abortive woman, and I hope you can hear me over this train. Um, love being here. Um, anyway, I have been fighting for life for 15 years, um, doing the legal work, doing the legislative work, everything that it took to get to this incredible moment when Roe is overturned and we have so much more um, hope for life than we have had in generations. Okay, just give me a thumbs up if you can hear, okay? <laughs> Thank you. It's a little hard to hear myself, but I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in the Lord here. Um, so I've been working on that for 15 years, and then here we are at the first Midwest March for Life in a post-row world, and it is so good to be here. Um, but we have so much more work yet to do. Um, and so this month, uh, I am launching a new organization called Vita Nova International um, to just think bigger and bolder and more holistically about how we're going to achieve a true culture of life throughout our nation and around the world where we have been exporting abortion on demand for generations, really, for decades we've been doing this. Um, and so and we need to work in the law, but even more importantly, we need to be working to change hearts and minds. We need to be getting to the youth of our nation to be able to reach out and um, and really transform hearts so that people have, um, have real hope for life, so that they know that they can choose life and that they're sharing with their friends and their neighbors and colleagues and your fellow students. Um, because all of us need to hear that message. And, um, and I know that firsthand because I was one of those people who needed to hear that message. Um, because when I was 19 years old, I had grown up in a, in a pro-life home. We didn't talk about it a lot, but I knew we were pro-life. Um, I went to Catholic school for a lot of my childhood. And, um, and so we, we just knew, okay, we're pro-life, but we didn't talk about what that meant. And so that's why I'm so grateful for those of you who, um, who are going to a school that actually brings you out here and you're hearing the truth. Um, but I didn't get that. And so, um, you know, when I was coming up, it was just this idea of, okay, I'm gonna be pro-life, but what does that mean? And I didn't really think about it until I found myself pregnant at the age of 19. 
And I thought, what in the world? You know, what do I do with this? I'm, you know, my mom's a single mom. Um, I'm an only child. And I just, I thought about the disappointment that would be in her eyes when I told her um, what I'd been up to. And, and so I thought, what do I do with this? Now I found out in my campus health clinic, I had gone in because I was a little under the weather and I thought maybe I needed like some flu meds or something and they said, okay, well, let's just double check, could you be pregnant? And I said, of course not, you know, cause I'm 19 years old and I think I'm invincible and I thought there's no way I'm pregnant, right? And they said, well, let's give you a test. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I take this test, it comes back positive, and I'm sitting there feeling more alone than I have ever felt in my life. What do I do with this? And so I went back to my dorm room. I, I, I first, um, I was sitting there in the health clinic and I had kind of hoped actually that, that maybe the nurses who were there, um, maybe they would just you know, wrap their arms around me. Maybe they would, they would just share with me, you know, that it's okay. You know, you're strong enough and there's people who come alongside you and there's resources and you'll be okay. You can get through this. And no one did that. You know, the nurses, they just said, you know, okay, you know, here's a brochure, you know, let us know what you decide. That's that. So I go back to my dorm room and I Google and I say basically like, you know, I'm pregnant, now what? And I Google this, and what came up? You know, back in the day, it was just abortion facilities. We didn't have like all the knowledge that we have now about how to you know, use search engine optimization and all of that. And so what came up were abortion facilities, not pregnancy centers. I had no idea that pregnancy centers existed. And so I thought, okay, I guess I'll make an appointment for one and at least try to get some information. And I made an appointment for the second cheapest one I could find. Um, and I just said, you know, let me come in and talk about this and find out what my options are. And I made it for that Saturday. I knew it had to be fast because, I mean, I, I was already a mom. I, I was already bonding <laughs> with my baby. You know, I'm, I'm walking around campus wearing my, my boyfriend's oversized sweatshirt and talking <laughs> to my child. Um, I, I even named her that week. Um, but with nowhere else to turn and afraid to tell my mom, I walked through the doors of that abortion facility. And from the moment I walked through those doors, nothing felt right. You know, I, I had no um, autonomy. I had no sense of self-empowerment. I had nothing that, you know, that they tell us that we get in the abortion facility. It was just me feeling alone, asking questions, not getting answers, asking for information, not getting anything. I asked to see the ultrasound. You know, you're lying on the table. They have to do the ultrasound. They have to figure out how far along you are and if it's ectopic or not and how much to charge you because they, they charge you based on how far along you are. And the screen is like right here the ultrasound screen. It's right here and it's turned away from you so you can't see. And I said, just turn the screen towards me because I'm trying to make a decision here. I need information. I need answers. This is the, maybe the one time I'm going to see my baby. And they said, no, it was against policy. Um, and so much more happened that day. You know, they, they were... They lied to me about how far along I was. They, it was just lie after lie. But eventually I get shuffled from room to room to room and I'm on that, that procedure table and I was just convicted. 
God convicted me that where I was was wrong, that it was a place of evil, it was a place of death, and I needed to get out of there. And I said, you know what, keep the money. I just need to not be here, let me go. And instead of doing that, they called for backup, and I ended up being held down while they forcibly aborted my child. That's something that you never really get over. Just knowing that a soul that you were supposed to protect has been ripped out of you. They moved me to the recovery room and I, I stayed there. I just cried in there. And I was the last person, the last patient to leave the clinic alive that day because I couldn't imagine walking out of the building, which the, it was the last building, the, the last place I knew I would ever be in the same place as my child. And eventually, I did leave. I had to leave, they were closing. And I, I drove back to campus and I just tried to piece things back together. And it took a long time. I, about a month later, I did tell my mom after all because I'm a mama's girl and I can't not tell her things. And she knew something was going on and so I told her what, was, what had been happening. And she was so loving and I wish I had just trusted her to begin with. That's what, that's what I should have done to begin with. Um, and she helped me find counseling and find healing and just gave me so much love and compassion and it was, it was such a beautiful time for us. Um, but I learned how we can be there for the people in our lives because I know what I needed. I needed someone to just be there for me. And this really takes us back to our motto for the Midwest March for Life today. Um, it takes us back to our motto, be alert because people need you. The people in your lives, you know, maybe the, the classmate sitting next to you, maybe the, the person in your church, that young man or that young woman needs you. And so when we're alert, when we're kind of just building the bridge, building the relationship, and we learn that these people, they may be in tough situations and we can be there for them. We can, you know, stand in the gap for them. We can say, I'm here for you. It will be okay. You're strong enough and we're with you and there are resources and it's going to be fine then that can make the difference between life and death, between a lifetime of regret and a beautiful family that's just being started. Um, so please be alert and be there for the people in your life. We also need to stand firm in the faith because when we serve the least of these, we are serving Jesus himself. Those people in our lives, they are in that moment, they are the least of these. They're feeling alone, sometimes broken, sometimes hurting, and they need, you know, they're grasping out. They wanna find the answer. They wanna find that relationship, and you can do that for your classmates. I want you to be brave. <coughs> Excuse me. I want you to speak out for life and to share the truth. As Pastor Nelson shared earlier, we have the truth on our side. Speak it out boldly. Share that truth. Make sure that everyone in your life knows that you are pro-life, whole life, unapologetically, and you are going to stand for the unborn and for their moms. And I want you to be strong in the face of the lies of our culture, in the face of the lies of the abortion industry, even sometimes coming from you know people you thought were your friends or your classmates. Stand strong, stand for the truth, because that is one of the most important things 
that we can do. And we know that those slings and arrows are going to come at us. We know that the abortion industry is going is to lie and say it's just a clump of cells. It's a blob of tissue. It's no big deal. It's just like a tonsillectomy. We know the truth that is a human being, a living human being who is created you know, wonderfully and beautifully um, and fearfully in the image of God. And we can stand for that human being in the womb. So be strong. Keep your focus. And, um, and just remember that as long as you are here, your story is not over. You have a purpose that the Lord has for you. And we can work together. You can work in your communities and your schools and with a pro-life movement to just build a culture of life, a culture where, um, where we can build hope for a brighter future, for a place, a, a, a community, a Missouri, an America, where everyone has the right to life. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today, and I am praying for each and every one of you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you for having the courage to speak out on these evils that are happening to our women. And, you know, it's not just the women that these evils are being done to. It's also the men. And to here today to tell you about that are a couple of gentlemen that are going to be coming up. Uh, one of them is Levi Hart from Thrive Express uh, Women's Healthcare, and I'm very interested to hear how what he says about the abortion experience from a men's perspective. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's a huge privilege for me to speak to teenagers because a lot of the formation of my life really happened when I was a teenager. Uh, a lot of it because of poor decisions I made, but then how God redeemed those decisions. And, you know, and child sacrifice has been around for a long time. I mean, if you've read the Old Testament, you, you, you see society sacrificing babies to the God of Molech a long time ago. Or you might, might remember the story of Moses. He, was, he talked about it earlier to where they sacrificed and, and killed all these babies. Or King Herod, when he killed all these babies, when he was trying to figure out who the Christ was. And, you know, it occurred to me not too long ago, like, you know, that was Satan behind all of that. So what was he going to do in a modern day society that's a little less outwardly barbaric, right? You know, a little less outwardly barbaric. And, you know, I just kind of pictured like Lucifer and his demons getting together and talking about this and being like, well, hey, guys, why don't we just say it's not a baby? Maybe that'll work. Who knows? And then just in America alone, 60 million lives later, we'll just tell him it's not a baby. And, you know, it's a very, I want you to hear this. It's a very convenient lie to believe when you're scared or when you're lacking resources. And plain and simple, it's a very convenient lie, I believe, when we're all born with the, uh, the propensity to be selfish on the inside. Right? Very convenient lie to believe. And it's a very old lie, isn't it? Like think all the way back to the garden. What's the first thing Satan did? He told some very convenient lies that seemed to play towards Adam and Eve's self-interest. And what was that lie? Surely you won't die. Surely you won't die if you eat this fruit. You ain't going to die. So it's just telling us out of life. So same old lie playing out. And I recognize that as I, when I was 19 years old, I finally started to figure out how much that lie was playing out in my heart ever since I was born. That ever since I was born, there was a brokenness inside of me. And I very conveniently believed every lie Satan told me about things that would fill my heart up. 
right? And I, I got four kids now, and I even am watching my nine-year-old daughter struggle with it as she's struggling with some bullying at school, and she just feels this overwhelming weight to feel like I have to fit in. That's the fix. That's the fix. It's to fit in. It's to please man. And it's just a convenient lie to believe for the particular situation. And those lies may seem small now, even though I mean, they may not be because they affect you in a really big way, but they grow as you get older when you believe lie upon lie upon lie whenever you try to fix your heart with anything but Jesus. And for me, the way that planned out is come, uh, come high school, you know, I started getting involved in sexual activity, lost my virginity at a, at a young age, and then uh, drugs and alcohol and all of it just compounded, compounded, compounded. And the higher I got, the lower it left me. And you may not be able to relate to say like drugs and alcohol or something like that, but there are things in your life you're using to treat one way or the other. And you don't have to. And eventually what that led to for me was an abortion. That's what it led to. Because I'd gotten a girl pregnant and simply believing that this is a third form of birth control was very convenient. Whenever my whole life was heading in a trajectory that was terrible, but in my mind it was the way to go at the time. So I 100% supported it and believe, and, 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 you know, and I was brought up in a Christian home, all right? So somewhere in me, I knew it was wrong, but believing the lie when it caters towards what seems to be your self-interest, and that's what Satan does, guys. He seems to cater towards your self-interests, but sin's desire is to devour you. That is always the case. So... The abortion happened. I, I participated in the murder of my own child. And it wasn't nine, it wasn't, it was only nine months later that I ended up surrendering my life to Jesus because God intervened in some really big ways. I, ironic, nine months, right? Because my house was raided by the police. I spent a year in and out of jail and rehab. And in my second trip to rehab, I met a man who did not believe Satan's lie. That after fasting 40 days in a desert, Whenever Satan came at him with some convenient lies, he said no, and he quoted scripture to him. That man's Jesus. And I had heard about that man my whole life, but I hadn't connected the dots between what it means. See, my theology, and this is the part I really want you to hear, because this very much has to do with whether you will have an abortion one day, or to whether you will influence others to have one or not. It's this. this. This is really the hinging point right here. I learned that my theology was very shallow, and it was that I believed I was a Christian because I said I believed Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and I was baptized, so I'm going to heaven. Plain and simple, that statement, that belief, that's why I'm going to heaven. doesn't matter how I, how I live my life. doesn't really make a difference. And I'll say on the flip side, it doesn't really make a difference if you do a bunch of good works, but your heart's not truly Jesus's. Jesus's. So older brother, younger brother parable. You, you can go find that in the Bible. Um, but I connected the dots that the reason Jesus died, the reason Jesus did everything he did was so that I could have a relationship with him. So that I could surrender my life to him and him fill me up and change me from the inside out and do in me what the world cannot do. Do in me what all these lies I had believed could not do. Because I believed so many lies about different things that would fix me, make me whole, even the killing of my own child. But Jesus is the way, the truth in the life. And whenever he comes in, when you truly surrender your life to him, he will work the rest of it out. And for me, I received forgiveness right away. I immediately was able to acknowledge that um, among uh, many other things. 
that abortion to him. And, and I, guys, I gave him everything. It was crazy. I'd been in Christianity my whole life, and I'd asked for forgiveness many times, but I never asked for forgiveness and actually meant it. In other words, God, forgive me. I'm, I'm actually sorry, and I actually want to give you everything and live my life for you. Not, hey, God, I'm sorry, but I'm doing it tomorrow, loving God that you are. I'll do some good works to make up, with, make up for it. No, I, I actually gave him my heart. And he changed me from the inside out, like night and day. That's what happened. And over the course of years, guys, there, there's consequences to this stuff. Like, I'm still working out what I did to my child. But God is a good God, and he heals. And just with, just with, I've been at Thrive for three years, guys. And just in the last three months, that man, Brett Atterbury over there, he was actually the first man I sat down and talked with who had had an abortion. I'm spoiling your story a little bit. Who had had an abortion and had healed from it, and I'd sat down and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with. And guys, that's from someone who's very vulnerable and is willing to have conversations with people. But that's how little people are talking about it. But to talk about the goodness of God, that sparked something. And I'd been feeling a disassociation with my child for a long time, and I felt some guilt about that because I didn't know why I felt disassociated. And I realized it was because I didn't know the gender of the child. So I just kind of always avoided these further healing, parts of healing that people take place in. So like naming the child, writing the child a letter, bonding in those ways. I'd always avoided it because I didn't know the gender and I just felt bad. It felt like I was dishonoring to give it a name. But after hooking up with some other brothers in Christ and hearing their story, um, I'll wrap up here. Uh, God did some really cool stuff recently. He literally gave me some visions of me holding a baby girl and showed me that it was a girl. And it's really cool how that happened too. If I had time to tell you the whole story, you'd love it. And I mean, because it, it, it blew me away. And then, because I, I don't just have visions every day, okay? And, and I was driving too, so. <laughs> and, uh, and then I had the chance to name her. I named her Catherine. And uh, so that is the good redeeming grace of God. He loves you. Go to him in prayer. Ask him. Ask him to fill your heart if you haven't yet. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Levi. How courageous. You know, it says in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame, by, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And then what's the rest? And by the word of their testimony. So God does that miraculous work that he did on the cross, but we're also called to provide our testimony to the truth. So don't, don't lose sight of that. Jesus did an amazing work, but he has incorporated us into that miracle by us providing testimony. Today's been a great uh, demonstration of the testimony of the truth and what the Lord has done in many of these lives. And we have another abortion experience that I'm looking forward to hearing from, from Brett Arterberry. He's the president and CEO of Heroic Media. And uh, if you guys would just give him a welcome as well. Thank you, everybody. You doing okay? It's kind of hot out here. Appreciate it. I'll try to be as quick as possible. Um, thank you for, thank you to Catherine and Levi for giving that story. My story is a bit different in that, as I gave you a quick introduction a while ago, I don't, I did not come from a Christian background. For the first 40 years of my life, I was on the other side of this issue. When I was young, your age, I was having a lot of success at school, both academics and athletics. I was really puffed up and really proud of myself. Didn't respect girls at all. I go off to college, I'm only 18 years old. First semester, 
my girlfriend gets pregnant. I'm sitting there waiting at the dorm for her to come back. I don't know this news yet. She comes walking up. I'll never forget it. There she is. She's crying. I know what that means. We go into my dorm room. She has some literature with her. She hands it to me. I see what it is, abortion clinics. I'd like to tell you at that moment that I stood up like a man and defended her and defended my preborn child. Instead, it was a moment for me of relief, a way out. I knew that abortion was a way out for me. So I lost my child to abortion, just as Levi did, just as Catherine did. And I'd also like to tell you, soon after that, I regretted it, but that's not the case either. 20 years passed, and it wasn't until I became a believer that God started to work on my heart. I didn't know what it was because I knew I was forgiven, but something was wrong. I wasn't sure what it was. As a matter of fact, it took nine years before I'm driving home from work one day, listening to the radio, and there's a commercial for a Rachel's Vineyard abortion healing retreat. I am sure I had heard that commercial so many times before, but for me, it was God's time for me. And God drove me upstairs. Somehow I remembered the number. I called that place. Two weeks later, I'm there at the healing retreat. There are three amazing things that happen. I'll share two with you in the interest of time. We're all sitting around in a circle, and the time comes where we're going to share with each other our abortion stories. So I'm planning out in my head what, what I'm going to say as it comes around to my turn. And this is why I know it was a Holy Spirit moment. When it got to my turn, everything I planned to say, I didn't say one word of that. Nothing. Do you know what came out of my mouth? The shame. Because remember, this is many years later. By this time, I'm married. I'm raising three kids. I know what it's like to be a man, to be a provider, to be a protector. And it was at that point that I realized, Christ made me realize, that's what you didn't do 20 years ago. And it was at that moment that Christ began to heal me. The next amazing thing that happened, the next day I'm in adoration, I write a letter to my child, whom I'm named Jesse. And then in just gratitude to the Lord for revealing these things to me, I drop down to my knees, I look at the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I said, Lord, you have given me many talents, many experiences in business. I don't know anything about the pro-life movement. But if there's a way, if there's some way you can use me to help young women and young men not make the same choice that I made 20 years ago. Please, I'm yours. Use me. Less than two years later, I came to Heroic Media, and thanks be to God, all glory to God, I've been able to help people since that time up to this day, help young women and young men not make the same choice that I made. Praise God for that. My final message to you young people. I was ignorant. I didn't know. It's not an excuse, but I was ignorant. You have this information. You've heard here today from three people who used to be young like you, if you can believe that. I didn't know. You know. You have this information. Not only keep it in your hearts. Know what's right. Young men, please respect young women. Young women, please respect yourselves and always keep your faith. Never give up. Stay pro-life. Share it with your friends. God bless all of you. Thank you, Brett, for your courage today. Next up, 
we have Reagan Barklage, and she is the National Field Director of the Students for Life of America. Would you everyone give her a warm welcome up to the stage today? Well, hello everyone. I want everybody to stand up. I'm gonna be that awkward speaker. We're gonna liven this joint up a little bit, all right? Okay. All right, we're gonna say a chant. Could we maybe see if they wanna come a little closer? And we're gonna get closer. All right, so everybody take five steps forward with your stuff. One, two, three, four, five. All right, who here was shivering this morning? All right, um, we're gonna get, we're gonna do some chants. All right, we're gonna do three chants, and then you guys can sit down, and the awkwardness will be over. Okay? We are the pro-life generation. We are the pro-life generation. We are the pro-life generation. Thanks, guys. Way to go. All right, so you guys can sit down now. Thank you for participating. All right, my name is Reagan Barklage. I'm the National Field Director for Students for Life of America. We are the largest pro-life youth organization in the country on over 1,300 campuses. How many of you guys are involved in the pro-life group at your school? Woo! All right, if you're not already involved in the pro-life group at your school, please uh, talk to one of us. Hey, Lucy, wave your hand. All right, and then we got Nicole, also waved your hand. Come see us afterwards. We'd love to get connected with you and support your pro-life group. Students for Life's mission is to abolish abortion in our lifetime, and we are the post-Roe generation. Now, I do want to take a moment and celebrate the, the miracle that we witnessed last June with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. This was a, a miraculous, I mean, it is more than just miraculous. People never thought that would happen. And I have to say, I'm a little salty because last year I spoke here, and there were a couple speakers that were doubting Roe v. Wade would be overturned. But guess what? We knew it all along because we are on God's side and God always wins. We will abolish abortion just like we defeated Roe. So please do not give up. But the fight is not yet over. Yes, round of applause for God and for all of his people who fought for life. And who here likes a friendly competition? All right. Missouri was the first abortion-free state out of 50. So also... We win, yes, thank you. All right, um, but the fight for life is not yet over. We are still in it. And usually during these talks that I give um, at the Midwest March for Life, I train you guys on apologetics. And this time I wanted to be a little bit more um, specific on our fight against chemical abortion because that is uh, the abortion industry's new frontier. So I want you to know that we cannot uh, believe our work here is not yet done because of the fight against chemical abortion. And uh, we have to make abortion unthinkable. Because while uh, Missouri is abortion free, and again, thank you to the volunteers, the elected officials, the incredible organizations and prayers that got us here, Missouri women are still having abortion. I don't like to say Missouri is abortion free. I am so sorry. We are abortion facility free. But we are not abortion free. Missouri women are having an abortion. They are having abortions. They're crossing state lines. They're getting mail order abortions. And we have to put a stop to it by making abortion unthinkable. So how can we do that? Well, one way, first and foremost, is supporting our local pregnancy center so people always know the resources that are available to them when they're faced with an unplanned pregnancy. So please get connected to your local pregnancy center wherever you live. Um, and if you're at school, they love baby bottle drives, they love diaper drives. You
You can volunteer for them if you need service hours. There are so many ways to support them. We also have to continue to push forward pro-life legislation and combat pro-abortion legislation. And the pro-abortion lobby is going to continue to get creative and sneaky in ways to try to overturn the work that we've already done. So be alert and be aware of what's going on. And then, of course, we have to take a stand at our schools um, because we have to have conversations in order to change hearts and minds on the reality of abortion. That's how we change culture. Um, and we cannot be afraid of the pushback we may face. And since the uh, row was overturned, so this is our first school year since the reversal of Roe. We have faced more discrimination and um, pushback and bullying than ever before. And so I just applaud you for being courageous and bold in your stance for life. Just last week, Students for Life surpassed 100 free speech and legal cases. Just this school year. That's how much pushback there is. And the pro-abortion lobby and people on campuses trying to shut down our message. But we know why it is so important to speak the truth and why our voice matters. So you absolutely have to rise up. And it's especially important as we combat chemical abortion. So I just want to take a moment to explain what chemical abortion is. Who's heard of chemical abortion or the abortion pill? All right, most of you, it's in the news. So chemical abortion not only harms or ends the lives of preborn children, it obviously is very harmful to women. And while all abortions are dangerous, and we think maybe surgical abortion would actually be more dangerous. It's actually chemical abortion is four times more dangerous than surgical abortion. And this is how chemical abortion works. So you can take chemical abortion up to 10 weeks um, in pregnancy. And what happens is there's two pills, there's two different medications. The first one is called mifepristone. And that stops a woman's body from producing progesterone. And progesterone is essential to have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So that first pill is essentially starving the baby, okay? And then 24 hours later, the woman takes misoprostol, which causes contractions. And this is happening, by the way, at home. Women are having these abortions at home. And she's told to sit on the toilet and flush. And you can imagine what women are experiencing this or how they're experiencing this really traumatic event not just physically and emotionally but spiritually and they're all alone um, so it's absolutely important that we speak up and tell people the reality of what is occurring but the good news is there's something called abortion pill reversal and abortion pill reversal is basically progesterone therapy and so if a woman takes that first pill the one that stops her body from producing progesterone and she changes her mind she has the opportunity to have progesterone therapy through abortion pill reversal and save the life of her baby. And there have been thousands of babies saved through abortion pill reversal. And doctors are trained all over the country in order to help women save the lives of their children. And there's one other thing I wanted to talk about here. It was a question from the audience that came in. If I could speak on the difference between the morning after pill and the birth control pill and chemical abortion. And you know what? It's not just random people having confusion on what um, the difference is. Since um, the news came out of pharmacies prescribing chemical abortion, like CVS and Rite Aid and Walgreens, my team has been calling these pharmacies to see if we can get chemical abortion, because we want to know what's going on in our states. And even the pharmacy workers are confused on what we're calling about. They're like, oh, do you mean the morning after pill? So I think there's just a lot of confusion that I hope to clarify today. So the morning after pill and the birth control pill 
The intent is not to end an existing pregnancy. The intent is to prevent pregnancy, right? But there is a chance of having an early abortion through these drugs, and here's how. There are four barriers or defenses that these uh, pills work um, in order to prevent pregnancy. And I won't bore you with the first three. If you want to talk to me afterwards, I'll explain. But the last defense in order to prevent pregnancy is to harden the woman's uterine lining so nothing can implant. So it would be like, okay, first of all, let's go back to basic biology. Conception occurs on day zero, right? Sperm, egg, meat, boom, brand new human. And this little zygote is making its way to implant in the woman's uterus, and that usually occurs on day five to seven. And if a woman has taken those drugs and the, and the defenses have failed to prevent pregnancy already, now the final defense is kicking in, the woman's uterine lining is hardened, and it'd be, throwing like, it'd be like throwing a tennis ball at the wall. It's just gonna bounce right back. So that is how the morning after pill and the birth control pill can act as an abortifacient, okay? So that is different than the, than the abortion pill. You can actually get the morning after pill over the counter even, but you still need a prescription for chemical abortion. So I hope that um, clarifies that. Now back to chemical abortion. 50% of America's abortions are chemical abortion. That's about 670 a day, according to the CDC. But that number is gonna continue to rise. And by the way, some states don't report abortion. And some states, or even with this mail order abortion, it's hard to track. So that number is likely even higher. And this is because it is easy for the abortion industry. They can just wipe their hands clean after they ship the abortion pills. Now the woman's on her own. They made some money, a couple hundred bucks. Some states even higher, maybe $600 um, just from those pills. To give you one more uh, little piece of information on the background of this one, and you guys wanna pay attention to this. This is what bothers me the most about chemical abortion. The manufacturer of chemical abortion is called Russell Ukluf. It is a um, pharmaceutical company. It was the same company that produced Cyclone B during Nazi Germany. So the manufacturer of chemical abortion is the same manufacturer of the poisonous gas that killed millions of Jews during the Holocaust. So there are ties from chemical abortion to Nazi Germany. So not only is the abortion industry providing these drugs through the mail, now they're also providing it on campuses. So in states like California, the Campus Health Center is providing these drugs on campus. And in states like New York, they're also introducing this legislation to do the same thing. And now we've also seen the pharmacies with CVS and Walgreens and Rite Aid and states where abortion is legal, they're also providing um, the, that um, drug. And this is alarming. So if you thought your battle was done and that you're done fighting for life and abor Missouri's abortion free, so we're good, it is not. I hope that was alarming enough for you to wanna do something about and continue to stand up for life. Um, and I just wanted to also mention one thing. These conversations that we're having on chemical abortion have been extremely impactful on campuses. So every semester, Students for Life travels with a display. And this fall, we've, or this spring, we've been traveling with one called, this is chemical abortion. And we have had the highest minds changed rate than any other display when we're talking about this topic because people aren't just alarmed about the harms to women's health, they're also alarmed at the, how chemical abortion can harm the environment. So one thing that people often don't think about is that every day chemical abortion is flushed into the sewer system. And so human remains and these chemicals are going into the sewer system. 
And so this can end up in the groundwater, river water, and in some cases, even our drinking water. And there has never been an environmental assessment to determine what is happening with, due to this chemical abortion, um, drugs being flushed down the toilet. Now, there have been studies on other similar drugs like birth control, and it has shown to sterilize and cause birth defects in animals. But chemical abortion is infinitely more potent than birth control, and it's flushed than more than 500,000 women every single year. So America deserves better. And you can find more information out about chemical abortion and how you too can get involved in your campus or your community um, by thisischemicalabortion.com. Thisischemicalabortion.com. Or you can just follow Students for Life, and we always have a bunch of information. So again, our battle is not yet won, um, and that means our work here is not yet done. We absolutely have to make abortion unthinkable. There's so many ways to get involved. Just a quick reminder, join or start a pro-life group at your school. Remember, the abortion industry is preying upon you. 87% of Planned Parenthoods are located within five miles of a college campus. The abortion industry is smart in their placement of their facilities. So please be aware. Pray for an end to abortion or sidewalk council. Be aware of the pro-life um, legislation and combat the pro-abortion legislation. And then finally, volunteer or support your local pregnancy center. We absolutely need you guys and your unique talents in this pro-life movement in order to abolish abortion and change culture. Um, and Students for Life would love to help you find your place. You can find us on any popular social media platform and also at studentsforlife.org. Um, and again, you can talk to the three of us afterwards as well. So we are the pro-life generation. We are the post-row generation. And we will abolish abortion in our lifetime. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Reagan. Hey, thank you for those facts and figures because knowledge is power and um, it's always good to educate yourself on the issues so that you can speak intelligently about these things because a lot of people, they just hear a couple little sound bites here and there. But um, that's good to have that kind of information. Uh, next up is Hope Miller. I am uh, very excited to hear this uh, young lady speak. So would you please give her a warm welcome? Hope Miller. Awesome. Okay, how are you guys? Really? Promise? Okay, cool. My name is Hope, um, and I, I've been involved with the pro-life movement my entire life. I mean, from the time I was a baby, my mom was dragging me to different events, and I always went because I was the child and I had to. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 12 years old that I realized what I had been fighting against my whole life. And, and once I realized what was going on, I just... I started really digging deep into it. I started learning as much as I could about pregnancy and fertility and life in the womb and abortion. And it was heartbreaking. I was 12 years old and it was heartbreaking. With all this new knowledge, I knew I could not just sit idly by for the rest of my life while this just happened in our nation with God's children. So since then, I have dedicated my life to helping end abortion in any way that I can. And I was so thrilled to find out my true calling with Simply Pro-Life, where my goal is to help people do the simple things for the pro-life movement by giving them the means and resources. Because sometimes a fight like this is very intimidating, I'll be completely honest with you, especially when you're a young person. 
It's very intimidating to go out there and have the ambition and the goal to end abortion in America. But if you take it one little step at a time, it becomes a whole lot easier. So that's become my passion. Now, I want to start talking with you guys, not just you know at you, but with you. So I'm going to start asking questions. And, and how well my speech does is solely dependent on you guys. So I'm sorry about that, but oh well. I want to ask you, first of all, who here is pro-life? Okay, everyone, if you're not pro-life, raise your hand. That's, I guess that's the better question because I think the majority of you are pro-life. Okay, I need one person who wants to tell me why you are pro-life. And if you need a second to think on it, go ahead. But I want one person here to tell me why they're pro-life. I'll do like a 10 second countdown and then I'm just gonna call on somebody. Okay. I'm gonna keep it easy. I wanna ask you, are you okay with that? Yep. Okay. What's your name? Lily. Lily, Hello. very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I like your Kendra Scott, I work there part time right now. Yeah. Um, why are you pro-life? Uh, because God made us all and babies are still humans. That's a fantastic reason. God made us in his image. So who are we? Yes, round of applause. That's a great reason, guys. God made us in his image. And not just you and not just me, but every single one of us that has ever that has ever been on this earth, whether you've taken a breath of air or have only lived a short life in your mother's womb. God made each of us in his image and his likeness. Who are we to take that life away? So in being pro-life, we are saying that we are not God and we, you know, he is the one who gives life, therefore he is the one that takes life. So that is a fantastic reason to be pro-life. My next question for you, hold on, I gotta grab my notes. My next question for you guys, don't worry, I won't call on you again, you're off the hook. <laughs> How many of you have decided for yourself that you are pro-life? Not because your parents raised you, not because your school tells you, not because the church tells you, how many of you have decided that you believe this, that you believe that abortion is wrong, that you believe that abortion is murder? How many of you have decided it for yourself that you are pro-life? Show of hands. Okay. I'm going to call on somebody to share that. Um, okay. Young man with the blue jeans and the white shirt and the nice flow. <laughs> When did you decide that you were pro-life? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Confirmed? Oh, confirmation was a huge year for me. I think that's a big year for a lot of us. What was your name again? Alex. Nice name. My name's Hope. Um, confirmation was a huge year for me. Um, personally, I'm sure it was for a lot of you as it was for you, Alex, in deciding that you're pro-life. When I was going to be confirmed in the Catholic Church, I was like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go and say that I'm going to fight for this church if I don't truly believe it's the real deal. Nor am I going to fight for everything that it stands for. And one of the things it stands for is a pro-life belief. So when I was 14, I was confirmed, but I also became president of a pro-life group. And that was huge. And I say this because at some point we have to decide for ourselves when we are going to be pro-life and why. Hi. when we are going to be pro-life and why because at some point society is not going to care if you are or if you're not 
unless you truly believe that you are deep down. There is zero point in being here today. There is zero point in fighting for these unborn babies if you don't truly believe that it's murder. But I believe a lot of us are on the same page here, that we truly believe that abortion is murder and that we're here to fight it. But you have to decide, am I gonna spend hot summer days fighting this and freezing winter days fighting this? Am I gonna spend days where I don't feel like getting out of bed to fight this? Abortion is not just something we can say, oh yeah, I'm against that. You can't do that. You cannot just say you are pro-life. It is not good enough. It is not, and I hate to admit that to you, but it's true. If you have decided that you yourself are pro-life, then you have to take on the responsibility, as we did when we were confirmed, that we were going to fight for this. Not just say, oh yeah, I'm Catholic. Not just say, oh yeah, I'm pro-life. That's not good enough. We have to stand firm and believe it and, and do something about it. Because babies will continue dying unless we decide at our age right now that we are going to fight it. My next question for you, I'm gonna ask somebody else, so brace yourself. This is an easy one. What is your favorite pro-life activity that you've ever been to, but it cannot be a march because everyone says a march because they're awesome. What is your favorite pro-life activity that you've ever partaken in? You get 10 seconds. You can raise your hand if you wanna share, otherwise I'm gonna call on somebody. Okay, let's see. Okay, we're gonna go over here in the blue. Um, okay, with the, oh, well, I guess you all have blue scrunchies, Never mind. Um, young man, right here. Yes, what's your name? Liam, that's a good name, I like that name. Okay, what has been your favorite, besides a march, what has been your favorite pro-life activity you've ever been to? You did like a rosary procession for, for specifically for the unborn? That's awesome. That's so cool. I love that. I love, yeah, round of applause. Good job, Liam. That's a good one. I'm gonna ask one more person because it is such an easy question. I'm gonna ask one more person. Young lady right here. Yes. What has been your favorite for life activity you've ever been to? My father's taught me well. <laughs> she liked hearing Abby Johnson talk about her story. Abby Johnson's a good friend of mine. Actually, this March for Life last year, I met Abby. Um, she was amazing. She's, she's incredible. Like, I will reiterate that again and again. If you have not heard Abby's story or watched her mo movie, I encourage you to, with your parents' permission, to give it a watch. But Abby's a wonderful human being. And, and actually, it was really neat because Abby's story inspired us in so many ways. And last summer, after this march, I was able to have an internship with her. Um, so we've been able to become good friends. And uh, she invited me to um, the Pro-Life Women's Conference last year. And I, she had me come work it. And it was amazing. And um, at this, at this Pro-Life Women's Conference, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna ask if I can speak here next year. I think everyone here needs to hear me speak. That was my pride speaking, um, not good. And, uh, and then Lauren Musica, who's now a really good friend of mine, she was here today, gets up to receive an award for Pro-Life Women of the Year. And I hear that her organization, Sidewalk Advocates for Life, has started, or has saved, well today, she saved through her organization 20,000 babies, which is a lot. Um, but at the time it was about 17,000. 
and I was humbled really fast. <laughs> I was like, what have I done in my life to be worthy um, to speak here? But then I started asking myself that I had a five hour car ride on, by myself on the way home and I started asking myself, you know, why, why, do, why am I even worthy to fight the pro-life battle? Who am I to not necessarily to tell somebody what they can and can't do with their bodies, because that's not what we believe. <laughs> but who am I to have people look up to me and listen to what I have to say? I mean, come on, I was a high, I mean, I'm still in high school, but I was 17 years old. Um, I was working random odd jobs at country clubs and coffee shops and babysitting. I was nothing special. Who, I mean, I'm a child of God, so that makes me special, but ends about there. Um, who was I to say anything? And what I realized on this car ride home was that I had the right to say something about abortion because I had truth on my side and abortion was murder. And I have a voice that God gave me to say something. Even if only one person listened, that's what gave me the right to say something. Not because I've saved thousands of babies, not because I've closed down Planned Parenthoods, not because I've sued lawyer or abortionists, not because I've even, not that I know, saved a single baby. But because I had truth on my side, I knew abortion was wrong, and I had a passion to end it. And that goes the same for all of you. You all have the right to say something. And, that, and in fact, I take it a step further. You all have the duty and the obligation to say something to somebody about the fact that abortion is murder and it's taking over our country. You all have that privilege and right. Now my final question for you, hopefully I'm decent on time, I haven't been paying attention. My final question for you is this. My goal is to do the little things for the movement because I know that I am way too small to do something big. I know that. That's something else I learned on my car ride home from the Pro-Life Women's Conference. I was too small to do something big. But small things add up to equal big things, right? Every big thing is just a series of small things added up. For example, one rosary, well, that's huge. But 52 rosaries for a rosary novena, that's even bigger. Mother Teresa, how many of you know her, know of her? Yeah, Mother Teresa. You know, Mother Teresa did a ton of little things, and she changed the world, guys. Mother Teresa was consistent in the small things and she changed the world. Do you know that you have the power within you to change the world one baby step at a time? L let, me, let me explain, guys. This is m so easy. I cannot express it to you. Do you guys ever know, do you guys know what a popsicle stick is? Great. Do you know what a rock is? Do you know what paint is? Great. Do you know how to write on a rock? A pro-life message, like your heartbeat starts at 18 days and go throw it in a, in a public area, a public, a, a public park. You think you could do that? Probably. It's pretty simple. Do you think that you could write on a popsicle stick, um, brainwaves detected at eight weeks, and stick it in a tree and wait for somebody to come by and see it? Do you think you could do that? Do you think that you could take pregnancy help cards and put them in public bathrooms, specifically Walmart, because the number one thing stolen at Walmart are pregnancy tests? Do you think you could do that? If you can do those three things, you can end abortion. If you can do those three things, I'm not kidding you. I mean, I've been to so many pro-life talks, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, it, I'm serious. If you can do those three things, you can end abortion. Now I've got two, I'm gonna ask one question, two people are gonna answer. What is something small you can do for the pro-life movement? 
I'm going to go with with the really cool butterfly clips. You okay with that? What is something small? You can think about it for a second. What is something small you can do for the pro-life movement? thinking on it. While you're thinking, what's your name? Nice. <laughs> Think on it. I'm going to have you thought of it. I'm I'm talking small. I'm talking popsicle sticks, I'm talking rocks. good one. I like that. <laughs> listen to pro-life talks and try and do what they say. You know how quickly abortion would end if we just listened to every single person who spoke here today? Okay, one more person and then I'm going to call I'm going to call it quits. Mm. Do you want to say something? Okay, what do you want to say? What's your name? Michael Michael says that we should become doctors. What did you say? And Matthew, I assume brother, right? Said that you could become a doctor and save lives. That is huge. Round of applause. You could become a firefighter and save lives. You know my brother's a firefighter and he gets to save lives? Yeah. We should all just save lives. Guys, I want to thank you for listening today, and I want to encourage you to go and do the simple things. If you need any um, resource or anything, Check out, I haven't been posting lately, but I will. Check out my Instagram. It's just simply pro-life on Instagram. And that's it. Thank you, guys, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Great job, Hope. You know, we were over there talking, and we were like, how can we get these young people and encourage them to take a stand and, and stand up and start doing more? And, and that's awesome. It must have been the Holy Spirit because she was talking to you about that. And uh, I, I was thinking that who, who would be willing to pray at least once a week? I mean, we all go to church at least once a week, right? Maybe whenever it's time to give those silent intentions that we would pray for the pro-life movement, that it would be successful and that the Lord's kingdom would prevail in the area of life. Can, who can do that? Let's see some hands. Who can do that? Okay, so that's one thing that you can do that's really, that's very powerful. And I think not only is it good for the kingdom, but it'll also help to work on your heart and prepare what the Lord may have for you. So, so maybe we only need to do a little more praying about that. I mean, this is amazing that we're all here, but this is just one culminating event. Now let's, let's have that call to action. Let's, let's do something that can make a difference. We're all here today. We, some of us have traveled several hours just to get here. And we've spent all day, a significant portion of our life, and time is precious. You need to ask yourself on, on your way back to school, on the way back to your job, on the way back to our homes, wherever it is that you are going to be going after this. What, Lord, why did you have me come to this? And not just the obvious reason, oh, we've got to go to the March for Life thing. But no, really, why has the Lord called you to be here today and sit in the freezing cold and then the blazing sun and <laughs> I, can't, I can't catch a break here and not heavy enough coat, too, too hot now. But, but the Lord has called us here for a reason. And don't let that be cliche. We hear that a lot. But he really has. He put you here today for a reason. 
ask them why, what that reason was for. Maybe you already know and it's been confirmed, but, but maybe you want to keep seeking more of that answer. So, so please make that, make that weekly prayer, daily prayer, what, however, however you want to pray, um, whatever the frequency is, maybe that's something that you can do. Um, talk to some leaders um, in the pro-life movement, some good trusted advisors, and say, hey, how can I get involved? You may not know what you can do, but talk to, talk to leaders. There's been, you've seen plenty of them today, and they would love to talk to you. So go, go chase them down and go, what can I do to get involved? And there's so many websites. We've got a couple of guys here. They're going to give you a couple of more ideas. Obviously, on these shirts, go to the Midwest March for Life. Is it .com or .org? Who knows? Somebody's, I, uh, .com? MidwestMarchForLife.com. Remember that? MidwestMarchForLife.com. That's a good starting point. We're going to be praying. Uh, what else can they do, Levi? Yeah, so, hey, guys, this is really important, especially if you have an iPhone, I can tell you exactly how to do this. Say, hey, Siri. You don't have to do it right now. It'll get a little crazy. But, hey, Siri, set a reminder to look up ThriveExpressWomen'sHealthCare.com every day at, say, 3 o'clock. All right, because what you're going to do is, I forgot to mention this earlier, a big way we are combating the lie as Thrive is we're becoming the first national counter brand to Planned Parenthood. And a way to do that is so that when women hop on Google, and men for that matter, and type in abortion, we need Thrive to pop up on top instead of Planned Parenthood. And that happens with search engine optimization. So for real, if each one of you guys, like that is a small way that you legitly can save Thrive thousands of dollars and bring a lot of women to us. Uh, because it's a matter of catching them first because the abortion industry has done a great, great job of marketing those lies to them. Thrive Express, I'll say it three more times so you guys get your phones out. I'll say it slow. Thrive Express Women's Healthcare dot com. Thrive Express Women's Healthcare dot com. Last time. Thrive Express Women's Healthcare Com. We are the first national counter brand to Planned Parenthood. They're in front of a nurse in 30 seconds. We plug them, plug them in with a local pregnancy resource center in their city for aftercare. So we're a force, force multiplier for every PRC in, in the entire country. So, thank you. Since we at Heroic Media partner with Thrive, thriveexpresswomenshealthcare.com. Uh, heroicmedia.org, heroicmedia.org. You can go on there, you can see how we're using advertising to perform an intervention where a woman is actively searching for an abortion. She clicks on our ad and instead we connect her to a life-affirming pregnancy help center, heroicmedia.org. Thank you guys. And I think, are we gonna have a little encore of Camille? Are you up for it? Okay, who would, who would like to hear Camille sing one more song before we conclude? Yeah, give her some give her some props. Yes. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for coming out today. Uh, it's been a really amazing day and don't forget say those prayers for the movement. There we go. Check check checks my phone. All righty. If you want a card, I got a card. If you want CDs, I got CDs. And I also got this song, March for Life. One more time for you guys. Find me online, CamilleToday.com. Here we go. And I sing with myself and my sister. My 
choice Sounds right, but I can't ignore the voice Something inside of me is whispering as I'm wrestling Open up your eyes It's not my right It's not my choice to take an innocent life To trade their futures for the convenience of mine So I will stand today for what I know is right And I will march for life Two bodies, two lives Two hearts beating inside It doesn't take eyes to see the forming of God's masterpiece I feel it deep inside It's not my right It's not my choice to take an innocent life To trade their future for the convenience of mine So I will stand today for what I know is right And I will Thank you. God bless you. Happy March for Life 2023.